If you would, if you have your Bible with you, turn to the book of Luke, please. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 2 this morning. You should also have a, hopefully you have a copy of the notes for the message today. But let's find our place in Luke and chapter number 2. So we've been in a series of messages for throughout the Christmas season really focused on the messengers of the, Christ, of the Christmas story. So each week we've uh, learned some things about the gospel. We've learned some things about the message of Jesus Christ through each of the announcements that we saw. We began with Gabriel appearing to Mary, and we learned that nothing is impossible. And then last week we looked at the appearance to Joseph, and we saw in the life of Joseph that God is with us. And it was revealed that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, one theme has really, one theme has really continued all throughout the, uh, the whole story, each, each of the uh, events in the story. And all throughout, I think one of the themes is humility. You're going to find over and over again that in all of the circumstances, it, the, the message was to people in very ordinary circumstances. Now, as the message came in very ordinary and humble circumstances, the whole crux of the message today, the, the gist of what I want us to come away with is this. Remember, each, each account of the Christmas story that we've been looking at is teaching us something about the gospel. And by the gospel, I mean how you and I relate to God. How many of you understand that the most important question that you'll ever answer in life is, what is your relationship with God? That's the most important thing above everything else. And in fact, when we think about these humble people, we don't, we don't look back and wonder, well, I wonder how much money they have. I wonder how big the house was that they lived in. I wonder what kind of cool places they got to go in their life. I wonder what their... I wonder what job that they had. That those aren't the most important questions. What stands out is how they knew God. And the most important question you'll ever, you'll ever come up against, you'll ever have to answer is, what is your relationship with God? Because once that is right, everything else in life flows from it. Now, the title this morning is this, From the Highest to the Humble. Would you mind saying that with me this morning. Just so we'll be fully engaged. Help me out. Ready? Today we're looking at from the highest to the... That was great. You surprised me. That's awesome. From the highest to the humble. That's what we're looking at. Now, there's an interesting verse that comes actually from the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 4, this is actually a prophecy from the Old Testament 500 years before Jesus was born. 500 years before he's born, the prophet Isaiah writes this. He says, every valley shall be what? And the, every mountain and hill shall be made low. You see this idea of inversion, right? What is high is going to be brought low, and what is low is going to be brought high. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, from the highest to the humble. Even to this very day, in 2022, 
The message of Jesus is only received by those with humble hearts. Let's let God's word speak to us this morning. Look with me at verse number eight. Now, the boys and girls already read to us the story of the birth in the manger. And so I'm going to pick it up after Jesus has already been wrapped in swaddling clothes, after Mary has already laid him in the manger, after there's no room in the inn. And we come to verse number eight. In verse number eight, it says this, and there were in the same country. Now we know, you say, well, what country is this? Well, it's speaking of the, the location, not a national country, but like the countryside. This is up in Galilee. This is, this is around Bethlehem. This is, this is, this is the, um, where Mary and Joseph have had to go, the city of David. There's the taxing that's taken place, and now they're there, and they look for a place to, live, to, to stay. There's no room in the inn. And in the same country, just out on the hillside, not too far away from the birth of Jesus, there were, in, there were, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. There were shepherds. Now, that was not an unusual sight. If you were to take an evening walk out in that the hill country outside of Bethlehem, you would often see shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. In fact, some of them would have probably been taking a nap. Some of them would have been on guard duty to make sure nothing happened to the sheep. They lived out there. They, they, uh, they were mostly not the owners of these sheep. They were the hired shepherds. That's why they're out there at night. Now, there might have been uh, some that own the sheep, I'm not sure, sure 100%, but these are humble shepherds. So that would be an, a very ordinary sight in an evening in, outside of Bethlehem. But what's not so ordinary is what happens in verse number 9. Because in verse number 9, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone how? What's it say? round about them. Now, I didn't, I, I, for whatever reason, you know how you read something uh, over and over and you miss it, you just miss it, and then all of a sudden it like smacks you in the head. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or maybe you've done that, you've watched a movie or something, and there's something, you just missed it, and you've seen it so many times. Well, I've read this many, many times since I was a child, and the one thing there that jumped out to me this time is the, the, the spatial aspect of it. When the angels appear to these shepherds, where is the glory of the Lord? It's all around them. It's surrounding them. They are surrounded by a sight that they have never seen or experienced. And on the backside of your handout, the first point that I want us to think about for a few minutes is this. The first thing we notice is that these are humble shepherds surrounded by unspeakable glory. What they experienced was so unique. There are few people who have ever lived who have experienced anything like what these shepherds experienced. And just think about it for a minute. Who are the people that get to experience this? What are they? Yeah, they're shepherds. Now, we kind of have a glamorized view of shepherds, and for good reason. But really, in their day, 
they have a low status in society. These are not the, the, the most important people. These are not the people that get the invitations to the parties. Well, you're like, why not? Well, um, they spend a lot of time with the animals. They sleep outside. They're, they're, now, there are some people that have made the argument that the shepherds were like the outcasts of society. And you'll hear that from some people. I don't think that's actually accurate. If you look at all the research about the shepherds, it's not that they were dishonored. It's not that people, it's not that they were like low and outcast. It's just that they were just regular, hardworking folks. Just regular people. Now, I thought about this, and I thought, you know, and, 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 it's, and these are the people that receive this vision of such magnificence. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. This message of humility, it just comes right from the beginning of the Christmas story. I've thought about it a few times. And I'm like, how would I compare this? Now, listen, I've done, I've, I spent, oh, about a dozen years or so working manual labor jobs in the dirt, digging holes, planting trees, pulling weeds, things like that. I've done st stuff like that, plowing snow, all that good stuff. But I thought, like, what kind of occupation would a shepherd be like today? Like, what, what would that be? And again, it's not dishonorable, so don't misunderstand that. But it is not a glamorous job. It's a humble job, but a hardworking job. And I thought, what if, we, what, if this, what if this happened in 2022? I wonder how it would read. What would you plug in there? And there were, in the same country, truck drivers abiding at the stop. I don't know what it would be. Right? Like, like people that just, that are, they're on their own. They're independent. They're out there. They're working. That's the perception. These aren't people with PhDs and white collars. These are the kind of people that today would work at the factory. They would drive the truck. They would deliver the food. They would do the job. They're regular people. And who is it that God brings the message to? It's them. They're the ones. Humble shepherds. And who comes to them? It says, notice this, verse 8 and 9. It's the angel of the Lord that appears to them. It, this is, when you see in the Bible, when you see this statement, the angel of the Lord. Now, obviously, it would be enough to describe him simply as an angel, right? But we have to say, hey, an angel appeared to him. But when he says, the angel of the Lord. It signifies, what it's doing is it's attaching his name. It's attaching the function of the angel to the name of the Lord God. It's attaching that, that name. So the message, so in other words, he comes as the representative of God. And so this angel appears to these shepherds, and it is the angel of the Lord. And in, in regular 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 folks in their regular job receive a message from God, the angel of the Lord. The, you see a few other things here that take place. Look with me. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy 
Now, the angel tells them to not be afraid, but you see that they have, it, it's, you notice the, the statement at the end of verse number nine, and they were sore afraid. Sore afraid. That's an older English expression. The literal, the literal translation there is this. It literally means they feared a great fear. They feared a great fear. I mean, they are scared and they are seriously scared. Again, in each of these accounts that we've looked at the last couple of weeks, people, it, it's almost as if we expect, oh yeah, this kind of stuff, it, we're, it's the Bible, this kind of stuff happened all the time. Folks, they lived their whole life. I don't know how old these guys are, but they lived their whole life. They've never seen anything like this on an evening where they're watching the sheep. Never happened before, never going to happen again. And they are scared to death. This is the contrast of the story. Humble people surrounded by unspeakable glory. And can I just share a simple application for us? God still makes himself known to ordinary, regular people. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you're going to walk out of here tonight or today and you're going to go home and you're going to see some vision on your way home. We know that, that the reason these things are recorded in the scripture is because they're extraordinary events. So I'm not saying you're going to see something like that, but I will tell you this. If you have a humble heart and if you will let God speak to your heart, God will make himself known to you. The Bible speaks about a still, small voice. There's a way that God speaks to each and every person in their heart in a way that is through the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us and lets us know, fear not, that he has a message for us. And I believe if you'd slow down, and part of the, part of the, the beauty of the Christmas season is it causes people who are just busy, busy, busy all year long to sometimes stop and think, you know what? Maybe I do need to make time to hear God's voice in my life. But if, if, we're, if we're not humble like the shepherds, if we're full of our way and our desires, we're not going to hear God speak. And in fact, if you read some of the other Christmas stories, there's more contrast. So you've got these, these outcast shepherds living their lives out in the hillside. And then you've got a king named Herod. Do you remember him? He's got people basically coming to him and telling him, hey, the Messiah is going to be born. But he's so full of himself, he doesn't hear what God would speak to him. You and I can still experience the surrounding glory of God in our lives. If we'll be humble like the shepherds, we'll build on that a little bit. So this is from the shepherd's point of view. So you get this first. Now we see this is the first thing was the shepherd's point of view, looking up at this glory of God that's surrounding them. Now I want you to notice, secondly, these magnificent angels announcing a humble birth. So we go from the shepherds looking up at the glory around them to now the angels looking down at what's taking place. So did you get that? You catch with me the change in perspective? First part, I wanted you to identify with the shepherds. Now I want you to just, if you can, put yourself from the perspective of the angels. Look what happens. 
the angel said in verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to who? All people. The angel says, hey, don't be afraid. I've got a message for the whole for the whole world. I've got a message for the whole world. Can you imagine being that head angel that's in charge of this? And God says, hey, it's time to go announce the birth of my son. It's time to head off. All right, where are we going? Where are we headed to? And God says, oh, just outside of Bethlehem, there's a hillside. And I want you to give this message, oh, to a half a dozen, 10 or 12 maybe shepherds out in the field. A message for the whole world, just given to one small group of people. And there the angels go. They fly off to give this message, a message for the whole world in an obscure place. But folks, God, God specializes in working in unlikely places, in unlikely people with unlikely circumstances, people that the world would think, oh, nothing significant could ever happen in their lives. God can, God can reach a person best in that position. And so the message comes. There's a message for the whole world. Verse number 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, they've been waiting a long time to make this announcement. You see, from the beginning of man's trouble with sin, God has promised, God promised men and women that he would send us a savior, that he would send someone to forgive us of our sins. And the angels have known this for, for thousands of years, and they've been waiting for this very day, and they finally announced the birth of Christ. In verse number 12, Look at the manger from the angel's perspective. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Think about what the angels are describing right there. The angels who have lived in the presence of God Almighty. The angels who have heard the voice of Jesus. Do you know if you study the Bible, you'll find that the scriptures teach that the angels were present when God created the heavens and the earth? That the angels were created just prior to the creation of the world? And so the angels who heard the voice of Jesus from the, from, from the past, they heard the voice of Jesus from creation now they hear his voice in the cry of an infant. What, a, what an amazing thought, the humility of Christ, that Jesus Christ, and don't miss this, if you're not, if you say, well, I know a little bit about Jesus, but listen, Jesus was not a, a man like you or, you or I am. Jesus, Jesus was not just a good teacher. Jesus was God who emptied himself of his rights and he became a man. And the angels witnessed that miracle of the incarnation. And they described, think of how they described their great champion, their great Lord, their great master. They say, oh, you will find him, not on the throne. You'll find him, not leading the angel armies, 
you will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. He's lying in a manger, just a little baby. Just a little baby. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And now all of the angels join. And suddenly, verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, would you read verse 14 with me? And saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Notice the message that comes with the announcement of Jesus' birth. Jesus coming in these humble circumstances, the angels say, this is the message that God wants you to have. Because Jesus has come, two things happen. First of all, the birth of Christ means that God receives the highest glory. Because Jesus has come, God's name is magnified. God's essence, God's person is to be worshipped. Because of who Christ is, because Christ came, God gets the glory. Did you know that you and I were created for the glory of God? That we exist not for ourselves, but for God's glory. But notice something else. This is really important now. Not only does it say glory to God in the highest, but then it says this. And on earth, what? Peace. Goodwill toward men. Not only is it God's glory, but it's for human happiness. You see, the coming of Christ shows us this, that through Jesus Christ, we can truly know how to glorify God. We can know how to glorify God, but it is in glorifying God. It is in glorifying God, it is in bringing glory to our Creator that we experience the greatest of happiness. You know, I've known people I've known people who spend their whole lives trying to run away from God. Anybody ever been there at a part of your life? I mean, you knew God was trying to get a hold of you. You knew God was trying to, you knew God was trying to speak to you, but you were so focused not on God's glory, but whose glory did you want? Yeah, my glory. I want my glory, my glory. Well, the message of the angels is the secret. Do you want happiness? Get yourself in line with the glory of God. But people will fight and frustrate and, 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 and try to live life for their own principles, for their own desires to, to get what they want out of life. And they think if they can just reach out and take what they want, then they'll be truly happy. But that's been a deception from the very beginning. The truth is this. Once we find out what God wants for us, then we understand true peace, true happiness, goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. But remember, as we said at the beginning, the message of Christ only comes to humble hearts. So there are some that would hear something like this from the Bible and they say, oh, you know what, I don't need that. I don't need that. Would you say, God, I'll listen. I'll consider your word. God's glory and our happiness. Well, look what happens next as we come to the last part of the account here. 
Verse 15. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. You see what happened? These guys said, all right. Apparently, they're not so afraid anymore. The message has come. The angels have disappeared. Where'd they go? I don't know. They're gone. And they said, all right, we've got to go see this. They said that the, that the Savior is born. And so they say, hey, let's go. And it says they did it fast, that with haste. And they, they gather their things and they head down, verse 16, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. You see, there's, there's a humble response to this wonderful encounter that they have. You notice that they become joyful witnesses. They cannot, they cannot help but tell people what God has done for them. They can't help but say, you won't believe what God has done in my life. Have you ever, maybe before you were a Christian, maybe before you were a Christian, you had a friend or a family member who they got saved. They became a believer in Christ. And they just wouldn't stop telling you about Jesus. And you found them a little bit annoying. Ever, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody have, they're just like, they just talk about Jesus and what happened, what changed in their life. Well, the fact is this, these shepherds, they weren't going to stop telling people what happened to them. But it, because, listen, it wasn't about them. It was about the one that they had encountered. It was about what they had experienced. And they couldn't stop telling everyone. It says, they, they, once they had seen Jesus, they made known abroad the saying. They say, listen, there was an angel. And I'm sure they were planning to be like, okay there. Angel. Well, actually, it was a multitude of angels. Oh, it gets better. There, there was. And then we went to the manger, and, and it was, he was there. And you know what happened? I'm sure at first, there were a lot of people that didn't believe a word they said. You agree with me? You think that's probably accurate? I mean, people are just as skeptical then as they are today. I'm sure that, I'm sure that there was plenty of people didn't believe, didn't believe. But you know what? That little baby grew up. That little baby Jesus grew up to be a man. And he started doing miracles. And some of those old timers, you know, I just, I, I, now, now I'm going, I'm just going with my imagination now, so you'll have to forgive me on that. But I just have to believe that there, by the time Jesus is 30 years old, there must have been a few old timers left who remembered hearing about that night on the hillside outside of Bethlehem. And there must have been a few people that said, and we never believed old Jethro that night. We just didn't believe it. Maybe there was something to what they said. You know, listen, God is patient. Aren't you thankful for that? And you might be skeptical about the message of Jesus. You might have family or friends who are, they, they love the Lord. And, and you might be a little skeptical. Listen, just, just keep a humble heart and an open mind. And, and ask God to speak to your heart. Because the fact is this, those who, those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, 
We are to be those who we just cannot help but tell people, not about how great we are. Listen, there's nothing that makes, because I am a Christian, that doesn't make me any better than anyone else. In fact, it just means that I've recognized how sinful I am and how much I need a Savior. Christians aren't accept, aren't, we're not excited about Jesus because of, because of how good we think we are, but because of how merciful and gracious He has been to us. That we were just lonely and lost. And some, some of you may say, yeah, I was like a shepherd. I was like an outcast. I was alone, but I met the Lord and He changed my life. And I want you to know this Jesus. I want you to know what He can do for you. They're joyful witnesses. But they're not just joyful witnesses, but then they become enthusiastic worshipers. They become enthusiastic worshipers. In verse 18, I kind of already spoke about this, all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. They're like, could this be? Could this really be? Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20, and the shepherds, and the shepherds. Well, whatever happened to the shepherds? We don't know what they went on to do. We don't know what they went on to, how they went on to live. But we do know this. They were joyful witnesses, and they went on worshiping God. They said, it says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Listen, is there any better, is there any better life, is there any better description of the Christian life than verse number 20? You're like, well, maybe. I don't know, but for this message, there's not, okay? The shepherds returned. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is our life. We return. We return to what? We go back to work on Monday. We go back to our family situation. We go back to whatever ordinary shepherd-like things we've been doing. But when we do it, we do it glorifying and praising God. Praising God for all the things that we've heard and seen. But how does it start? It starts with a humble heart. Could I show you two verses before we conclude this morning? Two verses? Would you give me that much? Terry said it's okay. So, all right, we're going to do two more verses, then we're done. I want you to get these. I don't know what I would have done if you didn't say that. This kind of, the first is a statement of Jesus. It's Luke 14 and verse 11. I think we'll put that on the screen. This is Jesus years later. Remember, our whole theme is, 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 is from the highest to the humble. Look what Jesus said. For whosoever, who's that? Who's that, by the way? Me, us, all, everyone? All correct. Good answers. Whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. So everybody 
that stands up and says, hey, look at me. Hey, I deserve. Hey, I want. Hey, I'm entitled. Hey, I should this. I need this. Everyone who exalts themselves is made low, abased. And he that humbles himself, Jesus said they'll be what? Exalted. This is the paradox of the gospel. That God, that God desires, believe it or not, God desires to take your life and to exalt you. I mean, we're not, he, he desires to make you his child. He desires to make you royalty in a spiritual sense. God desires to exalt you in such a way that, that he will give you a home in heaven. He will give you eternal life. There's not much more exaltation than to receive eternal life. Would you agree with me? God wants to exalt us. But he can't do that unless we do what? Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. I said two verses. There's one more verse. James 4, 6. How does God exalt us? But he giveth more, what's the word? Grace. He giveth more grace. Grace is a gift that you don't deserve. The best example is I've ever heard of this my whole life is the Christmas time example. Grace is what we present our children on Christmas morning. We lavish our children with grace and kindness. Now, could you imagine if on Christmas morning, your little boys, your little girls ran down to that tree? They ran down to that tree. They picked up those presents and they said, you know what? You know what? How much do I owe you, pops? How much I owe you? What's it going to be? Like, oh, no, it's a gift. No way. I'm not taking your stuff. I'm going to earn this. No one ever gave me, gives me anything. Now, that's absurd, right? The point is it's a free gift. That's what grace is. That's how God works in humble hearts. You see, look what it says. He giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists who? The proud. But he gives grace to whom? The humble. He resists the proud. Do you know what pride is? There's two expressions of pride to God. One is this. God, I don't need you. That's a very secular, almost atheistic approach. God, I don't need you. Well, is there any grace for somebody that says, God, I don't need you? No, there's no grace available then. In fact, God resists you. However, there's another form of grace, of, of pride. It's not the God, I don't need you. It's the God, watch me, I got this. You know what that is? That's not secular and atheistic. That's what? That's religious. God, watch this. I'm going to impress you. I'm going to, I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to take communion. I'm going to say prayers. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to give money. I'm going to do all these things. And God, if I do all these things, then you'll let me into heaven. 
Is that grace or is that pride? It's pride. That's not how the gospel works. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, comes to people who realize that we have nothing to offer God. You see, you're like me. We're sinners. I mean, if you knew... If you knew every single thought that's gone through my mind, if you knew every single thing that I've ever done wrong, if it was all on display on the screen, ugh, you'd be like, get down off of that platform. What are you, who are you to tell us? And before you get so judgy, how about I put your stuff up there? <laughs> right? Because we're all, we're all just sinners. The fact is, one day... And I had the privilege of hearing this message when I was a little boy. Some of you, it was when you were an adult. Doesn't, regardless of the age, I had the privilege one day of hearing the good news that although I had a sinful heart, although I deserved to be punished for my sins, Jesus said that I could receive forgiveness. How? Simply by believing in him. The Bible says that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Any person, anywhere, shepherd or king, any person ever, anywhere who will say, Jesus, I understand I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I can't be good enough. I can't be religious enough. But Jesus, I believe you were born in that manger. I believe you lived. I believe you died. And I believe you rose from the dead. Jesus, I ask you to save me. Any person who'll do that, who'll believe in Christ, the Bible says you'll be saved. You'll be exalted. You'll become a child of God. Has that moment ever happened in your life? Think about it, honestly. Has there ever been a time in your life? Now, I'm not asking, are you generally religious? I'm not asking if you've been to church and know about Jesus. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've humbled yourself before God as a sinner and just received his grace? Said, Jesus, please save me from my sin. If that's never happened, I want to invite you to do that today. It's the best decision that you could ever make. The best decision you could ever make is the decision I made as a young person to say, no, it's not my way. It's by Jesus and Jesus alone. So what I'd like to do right now is just have a quiet moment. I'm not going to have any music at the moment or any movement in the room. We're just going to have a quiet time of prayer. So would you just please bow your heads, close your eyes with me. I just want to ask you this. Simple question. Very simple question. Has there ever been, are you sure, are you sure there's been a time in your life where you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior? How many of you would say, Ethan, I'm not sure. If I were to die, I'm not sure that I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure that my sins are forgiven. I'm not sure that Jesus is my Savior. If you're unsure at all, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'd like to lead you in a prayer this morning 
where you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's no magic words, but if, the, if your heart is ready, if your heart is humble and you are ready to receive Christ, would you do this right now? Pray something like this. Say, Dear Lord, Dear Lord, I do know that I'm a sinner. I do believe, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And I put my faith in you and you alone. Jesus, I don't trust myself. I trust you and you alone. Would you pray that to the Lord right now? Anyone at all in here with no one looking, everyone's heads are bowed and everyone's eyes are closed. Is there anyone in here right now that you would just say, Ethan, I, I did that today. I made sure this morning. I won't call your name out. I won't embarrass you, but I, I want to privately pray for you. If you say, Ethan, today I just prayed that prayer to, to make sure my trust and my faith is in Christ. Just slip up your hand and put it down really quick. Anyone at all would say, today I made sure I put my faith in Christ today. Christians, right now, as we get ready to conclude the service, have you, have you forgotten just to be a joyful messenger, just to be a joyful witness of all Christ has done? I'm going to have the instruments just play through one verse, and we'll have a quiet time of prayer just for each of us to just speak to God about how he's spoken to us. Let's pray together. Well, thanks again for being here today. And I just want to say, if uh, you have questions about how to know Christ or about the Bible, we'd love to help you. Um, and if you are new today, please be sure to stop by and grab the gift uh, from the table on your way out this morning. Let's pray. We'll ask God to dismiss us in his care. I'm going to ask Patrick if you would dismiss us in prayer. Father, we thank you for this message of gifts and giving. Lord, we thank you for the messengers of Christmas. I pray that you would be with us as we leave here and help us to be messengers of Christmas as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you in our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.